Welcome to Season 4 of Business Book Talk. I'm your host, Bob Garlick. This year, we have even more great books to help you excel in business and life. You can search for book topics and themes at businessbooktalk.com or subscribe using your smartphone for great content on the go. Hey everybody, it's Bob again, and I have this very delicious book in front of me. It's not about you, it's about the bacon. Well, not the bacon, it's about bacon. Uh, Brian Basilico is the author, and I can tell already this is going to be a lot of fun. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Bob, thanks for having me. Let's jump right in and say, why bacon? Well, the, the bacon thing is really about creating a memorable brand, mm. and uh do you want to hear the whole story of how the whole bacon thing happened? Sure, let's go for it. Okay, so I'm out giving a presentation in L.A. with uh, a couple of other speakers who have been clients of mine for years. And George Ann Bender, she says to me, she says, I'm going to put, we're speaking at CHA LA 2012, and I'm going to put hashtag bacon on, on Twitter, and I'll have 10 followers by the time we're finished with this presentation. Well, an hour later, she was completely wrong. She had 20. <laughs> and I went, wow. So I started doing something similar Except I would go to all these, I go to a lot of networking groups and meetings, and a lot of them are in the morning, and I'd take pictures of bacon and put it up on Facebook. And, and when I did that, people were going, dude, do you like have a prepayment plan with your cardiologist? You know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and what they didn't realize, it was OPB, it was other people's bacon. And as I started posting these things, people started posting more things to my wall, pictures of bacon and things like that. Mm. And it really started to become a phenomenon. And it just blew me away how much people were just interested in this. Well, what it's done, it's really kind of created a brand for me and my business. And so the book is really about, you know, how do we use social media marketing or, or relationship marketing to keep you top of mind without shoving things down people's throats? And that's what the bacon's about. You know, and, and that's a very, very uh, relevant point is I think uh, out of all the, the things that people do on social media, that is the toughest thing for people to get their heads around is what can I talk about that uh, won't be perceived as a, as a marketing ploy? Mm-hmm. Very much so. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that this book uh, should be read and, and and like why did you write it why did you think that people need to needed to know i mean there's a ton of books out there on social media uh this one's got a slightly different angle why what makes this one stand out and different well what makes it really stand out it's a why to book mm. as opposed to a how to book this is not going to teach you how to use facebook or linkedin or twitter or youtube or pinterest or instagram or any of those things um really what it does is it helps people understand how social media plays into their business as a tool. And the way the book really starts off, it starts off talking about relationships and all the different relationships we have in our lives and how in the 60s and the 50s and then even into the 70s, how people used to market. And it was a lot of face-to-face -face business. You know, when you walked into your local uh deli or, or jewelry store or whatever it is that was in the downtown area, it was really a very relational type of business. And then all of a sudden the big boxes come in and you see a lot of these places start to disappear, but there's no relationship with any of those people. So what this does is this tries to use face-to-face -face type things. And, and one of the things I always say is 
business begins with a smile and a handshake. From there, now you have the opportunity to continue to communicate with people on social media. And that's really kind of what the, the basis of the book is, is how do we develop these relationships? How do we nurture and grow them through social media? And then, you know, how do we not sell constantly on there? Mm. Well, I know, I, you know, there's this, uh, I think it's the 80-20 rule. It's like 80% interesting and informative content and 20% sales content. Do you think that's still relevant? Yeah, I think it's relevant. I mean, it really depends on your business, though. It depends mm-hmm. on your audience, and, and I tend to take that even way further. I'd go like 20 posts to one mm-hmm. in, in, as far as selling things. You know, occasionally I'll talk kind of in cursive about, hey, I'm going to give a presentation or I'm getting interviewed or something like that, which is kind of businessy, but it's more the people that I know like that kind of stuff. It's sure. like, oh, cool, you know? Yep. Um, you know, in in your book, one of the things you mention is is not uh, just reposting stuff that you find on the internet, but actually have an opinion about the stuff that you're posting on the internet. Yes. Uh, how important is that? Well, if you're just basically echoing what's sitting out there, mm-hmm. it really doesn't create any kind of environment where you look like the expert. It just looks like you're a parrot. So what you need to do is add your personal spin mm. or your commentary to something. So, for example, if you find a really good article um, on whatever it is that you do, social media, SEO, basket weaving, whatever it is that you do, make sure that you, before you put the link to the article, you say, I found this interesting because, or here's the tidbit that I got, or something that actually shows that you read it and something that personalizes it from you so that people start to associate you as the expert with that information. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask this with all the, the, the writers we have on the show. Mm-hmm. And when you're, you know, you've got like over 30 years of, of uh, background in, in marketing and, and building relationships because that's what marketing is, mm-hmm. and then communicating uh, useful information. Um, when you were sitting down and, and putting it on paper, for you, what was a crystallization? What was an aha moment for you where, where things came to you? It's like, wow, God, I've known that forever, but now I really get it. Well, when I first started writing the book, I started writing a how-to book. And I, you know, I laid out all the chapters and all these other things. And when I finally got it was when I realized that the real currency inside of my business was the relationships that I was building through face-to-face networking. Mm. And once I figured out that the people that were my best customers were the ones that got to know me best first. And it wasn't like, you know, I was out there selling. I don't, I actually don't sell anything. I show up at meetings, I give presentations, I post things online and people end up coming to me, that's because they've grown to know, like, and trust what I do. And that was, I think, probably the crystallizing thing was understanding that I had to define what know was, what like was, and what trust was, because you hear those things all the time. And, you know, you hear the know, like, and trust, but when you sit down and look at how to earn trust, and there's really only two ways to do that, and that's either by doing, you know, fantastic service or through testimonials and recommendations mm-hmm. those are you know that's really kind of the cornerstone so how does um, how does a business go from the no part which is the handshake to the like part which is the online communication to the trust factor where people are either going to just do business with you or totally help you create business by giving you recommendations or referrals or whatever it is mm. well it's you know we're living in a very uh, giving 
part of of uh, I don't I, I it's very hard to, to say because you know I'm constantly giving to people like giving knowledge giving advice mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and there's lots of people out there that still don't get it and I think that's a fundamental flaw like you, you go into a let's let's just take the whole social media thing off the table and mm-hmm. let's say you're at at a, a local let's say chamber of commerce event and that you can you run it to people and you know the givers in the room you meet them and they're all about oh I should introduce you to so and so and da 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 it's this totally different headspace and you run to other people uh, usually realtors that look desperate and say hey here's my card and then they walk away and here's (laughs) yes yeah well there's and I mentioned this in the book too it's something that is kind of near and dear to my heart there's a a gentleman that actually is kind of my mentor and an author and he wrote a book called The 100-0 Principle and The 100-0 Principle is this give 100% of yourself 100% of the time and expect nothing in return and watch what happens Hmm. But you tend to run into a lot of people that don't understand that by being a good resource for people, you actually create much stronger relationships. A lot of people walk into the room as if they were going on a first date. At the end of the date, they say, will you marry me? Um, it doesn't work very well. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one of those things where you have to you know, really kind of get to understand the fact that by giving, you will get a lot more in return because you don't look A, desperate, and B – People trust you more because you're a resource to them rather than just, you know, another person trying to sell their wares or their real estate or whatever it is. Yeah, well, it's it's just refreshing, too. It's like you're in a room and it's like, oh, God, here we go again. I know I have to do this. And then they run into somebody that's like, hey, how's it going? And the and sometimes what happens is people get really clingy. It's like, oh, my God, I can't leave this person. And that's an art in itself. It's, it's like how to disengage yourself from that person like hey here's my card give me a call mm-hmm. and uh, let's continue the conversation but they don't want they want to continue the conversation right there right um how do you do that in social media how do you disengage from a person online and get them on the phone or go to the next level ask <laughs> yeah yeah i know it's a class if you don't ask you don't get Right. It's really that simple is if there's something to talk about, I, I, you know, and, and we tend to communicate, everybody tends to communicate the way they like to be communicated too. Mm. So if you're a phone person, you're going to say, call me. If you're an email person, you're going to say, email me. But there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not getting direct messages on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, you know, you name it. So the key thing is you need to be accessible where people want you to be. And then the thing that you have to do is say, if you really want to learn more, then let's discuss. And I can't tell you the number of people that come up to me and after I give a presentation and stuff and say, I want to learn more. Mm. And I ask them, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do a phone call or do you want to sit down face to face? I get a lot of Starbucks time that way, yeah. you know, where we sit down for a half hour and really get to understand their needs. I mean, that's one of the other principles in the book is listen twice as much as you talk. God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you'll learn to listen. And once you really hear where their their need are, their needs are or their pain is, then you can come up with some kind of solution to help them. And and one of the biggest things that you can do in that hundred zero principle is realize when you're not the right fit and get somebody else who can do what they need. Then you become the superhero because now you're helping them get exactly what they need rather than trying to just create a transaction. Yeah, and also you're you're helping two people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you get this uh I mean one of the 
most fascinating thing that's happening right now is the ability uh, through social media to connect people without actually having to do a lot of, okay, it's going to take me an hour and a half or two hours to go to see this guy, chat with him for half an hour, and then come back to my office and, and restart my day. Absolutely. And that's a huge commitment because it limits how many people you can chat to. But with social media, you can be doing this with thousands or tens of thousands of people constantly and never actually leave the office or do it while you're on transport from one meeting to another. Absolutely. And I'll give you a real-life example of that is uh, I live in a neighborhood of 168 homes. Mm. And we set up a closed Facebook group. Now that's become the coffee center, you know, where everybody goes in and checks it on a daily basis and people are asking, do you know a good plumber? Do you know a good air conditioner repair person? Hey, there's coyotes out. Make sure you bring your small dogs in. You know, did anybody see this car? So it's kind of like the neighborhood watch and all these other things online where it's really easy to, you know, go in and say, hey, I recommend A, B, or C. So it's a way for people to engage with a a larger group rather than one-on-one. Yeah. Hey, and for all the people that are listening, you don't know what a closed Facebook page is, just Google that. There is tons of stuff. We're going to YouTube, and uh, there's lots of uh, tutorials that will walk you through that process, which is Mm -hmm. actually an amazing tip. Um, Let's talk about how to consume this book. I mean, what I love about this book is it's broken, broken up into literally hundreds of very short uh, sometimes even half-page or quarter-page uh, chunks of information, and mm-hmm. it leads you through the book beautifully. Should you read this book cover to cover, or can you get away with just jumping around into the subjects that you're interested in? I honestly think you can jump around if that's what you need, but I really I really wish people would read. It's actually got five parts. I hope everybody reads the first part and then mm-hmm. can decide to jump around, because once you understand the foundations of relationship marketing and why that's important, then the rest of it tends to make a lot more sense. And you bring up a really good point. I mean, there was this book was done, um, and, and I actually kind of rushed to get it out because I had some deadlines uh, to do things, so I'm actually working on revisions, trying to clean some stuff up. I've noticed already that some of the stuff I said in July when I released this is no longer around. Um, <laughs> like, Help a Reporter Out is there, but there was another one I can't uh, Somebody said to me on Facebook, said, hey, on page 111, uh, one of the two things that you mentioned is no longer available. Mm. And it's like, that's how fast this stuff changes. I know, it's crazy. Uh-huh. It is. and uh, But w- the point that you bring up is and, – and this is a real-life example of how social media works – is um, I actually gave a presentation to a group of – it was the Illinois chapter of Chambers of Commerce. So all the Chambers of Commerce uh, came to this group, and it was the, the kind of like the head – chapter for everybody. And I gave a presentation two years ago on using social media with Chambers of Commerce. This lady who ran it now moved out to Washington, and she was working on a paper on using social media Chambers of Commerce. She remembered me. Well, it turns out that she has a class that she teaches at Central Washington University to a bunch of PR students. She asked me about the book. She read the reviews, picked it up, bought it, loved it so much it turned into classroom material. So they actually use this in a class. So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm, I'm working on putting together a workbook for this too, which will be very helpful. And I'm hoping that'll be out before the first of the year. Hmm, cool. Um, let's talk about the parts because, um, you know, you did mention you got to read the first part, which is basically networking it. Right. Uh, and uh, then we go into like I'm just going to go through them quite quickly. Uh, sure. Build a web, build a web foundation. Define your audience. Tools of the trade, and bringing it home. Let's talk a little bit about tools of the trade because I think this is a huge question on everybody's mind. Everybody that I meet 
is flabbergasted the amount of content that I put out on the net. Mm-hmm. And they always ask, Bob, how do you have time to do all this stuff? I don't have time to even answer my emails. And now, you know, get another book saying like, hey, here's a bunch of platforms. What is the best platform? And I know this is such an open-ended, ridiculous <laughs> question, uh, but I'm going to do it to you anyways. What is the best platform for people to use? The answer to that question is wherever your audience is. Yes. And that's really it, is you have to define where your audience is. If you're trying to sell, and I don't talk about this in the book, but if you're trying to sell a kid a pizza, text message marketing works awesome. Mm -hmm. Or Twitter, because that's where kids are. If you're trying to sell something to their moms, they're on Facebook, and that's on the consumer side. You know, if if you're talking business people, then it might be LinkedIn or Manta or something along those lines. It could be through Instagram. It really just depends on where your audience is and how they want to communicate back with you. That's the most important portion of that. So, you know, really what people have to understand, too, is if their audience, let's say, is in LinkedIn and they don't like being on LinkedIn and their LinkedIn profile sucks, man up and get into it because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're never going to make any sales until you pick up the phone. So you're never going to get into social media until you realize that your audience isn't on Facebook, even though you love being on Facebook and it's so much fun to look at all the stuff there. And they're on LinkedIn. So get into LinkedIn, start studying LinkedIn and become a super pro on LinkedIn. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to learn to and, – and the other thing you learn by getting involved in these things is what you like and what you dislike. And what you dislike, probably most other people dislike as well. And one of the things that you you join LinkedIn groups and all of a sudden there's one person that's just posting ad after ad after ad. And eventually you just learn to say, you know, this annoys me. Why would I possibly do that to other people? So <laughs> you yeah. learn by looking and listening. Exactly, exactly. And and it's, I think people's uh, fuses are a lot shorter these days. Um, you know, it's almost like email. Uh, back in the day, people were happy to get email. Oh, this is so cool. And we're talking a long time ago. Uh, yes. And now it's like, oh my God, I don't even want to open up my email because I'm going to have 50 or 60 uh, pieces of garbage that have n- not going to help me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about helping people and what is helpful and what is is not helpful? Uh, I know that sounds like a pretty basic thing, but you'd be really amazed how many people don't really understand that fundamental about, you know, if it's about your business, that's okay, but you don't always have to talk about your business. A lot of my clients want to chat with them. I say, hey, look, you know, we should be talking more generally about the industry. And, that, and they, they always say, yeah, but what about our competition? And I said, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's two different mentalities. There's the um, you know the competitive mentality, and then there's the abundance mentality. And the mm-hmm. abundance mentality says this: is that there's more than enough business for everybody out there. I mean, there really is. There, you everybody has the same amount of hours in a day. There's no way to change that. So the key thing is, is that how do you maximize that so that you're getting the customers that are best suited to you? So by by being the kind of person that's giving of that information, you're really starting to define the kind of customers that you want. They kind of get a sense of it by the things that you're talking about. And like you, I mean, I write two different blogs. And one blog is you know, really kind of deep and talks about different techniques, what's your value proposition. One of the blogs I wrote recently, I said, you know, we all have the same amount of hours in a day. Why does a lawyer get $400 and a haircut cost 10 um, You know, it's, it's the same hour. It's just we assess different values to it. 
So by doing something like that, it makes people understand that I'm thinking way beyond just I want to sell you something is I'm really looking out for your yourself and your business and how I can help you grow. And, and the giving mentality in me, and this is just my personal way of doing things, is I have a value proposition. And the value proposition is this. If I can't make a customer three times what they spend with me, I will not do a job because I need to make sure that marketing is never an expense. It's always an investment. And when the customers exceed that, they turn into my largest advocates and they're the ones out there singing my praises and bringing customers to me. That's why that giving mentality makes so much sense. Mm. Well, and it's all part of your sales strategy too because, I mean, it's an easy business decision to make because, you know, if you do X and it pays for itself, then it's free. Right. And so many people have, uh, getting their head around it, they just don't, I mean, gosh. I mean, I, I give a lot of, of, of advice and I'll sit down over a coffee and I'll say, okay, here's the deal. I'll sit down, it's going to cost you 150 bucks for the one hour, and if you don't have three ideas that you're excited about at the end of the coffee, you pay for the coffee and that's it. That's all it's going to cost you. And I have never had anybody at the end of it, because I'll bring it up and say, hey, so was that valuable or not? Because mm-hmm. I have no problems not taking your 150 bucks. Doesn't bother me at all. And several people have stopped and they're just so shocked that I'm not mm-hmm. trying to sell them or upsell them or something like that. And I think that is a game changer. It's, it's, that's when they, they, in their mind, they pivot and say, okay, this guy is here for me, not for him. Right. And that's, that's an awesome example. And uh, yeah, I completely 110% agree with you because now it really is not about you, which is the title of the book. You know, it's really about them. And and that is, that's very uncommon in this, you know, I want you to contact me so I could sell you something kind of world. And that's one of the biggest pitfalls in social media that you see a lot is people don't understand that people don't log into social media to be sold every morning. They log in to learn something. They log in to have fun, to communicate, to create relationships. I mean, that's, that's what being social is. Social networking is about networking first, social second, you know, where you really have to have some kind of connection with somebody before they'll really want to respond back to you, whether they like something that you do, share something that you do. There really has to be a relationship there, and a lot of people try to jump that bridge and just go right to the sales part, and that's where they fail. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about uh, sticking with it with social media. <laughs> uh, it's one of the things I think a lot of people, you know, we're talking about like uh, people basically uh, commenting on your comments. If you stick a cool picture up there, they comment. But a lot of people, and I'm saying thousands and thousands of people that look at your photograph or your comment or your piece of advice, never say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, they get discouraged because they're not getting feedback. How do people get over that? Well, you have to have the, first and foremost, the giving mindset. You expect nothing in return, like I said before. Mm-hmm. And when you expect nothing, you're never disappointed. What you'll notice is, and, and one of the things I talk about in the book is measurement and using tools, you know, whether it's free Google Analytics or something like HubSpot that you pay for, whatever those analytics tools are, it will show you, you know, the amount of traffic that gets to your stuff because people aren't commenting usually means that it's not 
like that wow enough or controversial enough. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is that if you if you post something negative, you get twice as many comments as what that <laughs> when you post something positive. So um, it, it's just one of those kind of phenomenon. But the key thing is is that if you can see if people aren't commenting on it, but it's being seen by a thousand or a hundred thousand people, that means at least your message is being consumed. It's the interaction is the hard part. The engagement is the hard part. And one of the things I like to do is I, I assign just in in Facebook in general is I assign um, values. Um, Somebody saw your post, it's worth one. If somebody comments on it, it's worth five. If somebody shares it, it's worth – or where like is one, comment is five, and share is 25. Mm. And so the more shares that you get, you know, obviously you hit the bigger home run because you've done something that other people think is going to be you know, useful to their audience. So now all of a sudden your audience becomes a much broader audience. And, and the key thing you've got to look at is if one person shares it, the, the amount of people that are going to see it is much larger than if you just put it out there. So you have to say, you know, that's okay. People, people don't always interact with you on a regular basis. Um, but the key thing is, is that at least there are more people seeing that than if you never posted it. Mm-hmm. So take the small win. And again, expect nothing in return. How – now this is a tough one because, okay. you know, I mm-hmm. – I... You know, I'm, I create a lot of content, and a lot of times I catch myself not actually posting it on Facebook or LinkedIn because I'm I'm finding so much other cool stuff, and because I've written it, I devalue it a little bit. It's like, eh, they'll find it if they find it, and then talk about somebody else's post. Do you think that's a, that's a bad thing? Am I giving too much away? If people are – because, like you said earlier, you can't just repost – Everybody else's stuff, you have to be creating your own content because then what's the value, right? You're just a, a curator at that point. Right. Well, and, and you know, really it depends on your audience. And, and one of the things that people get confused about social media is they think that I can just take one thing and post it to everything. <laughs> and they try to automate it. And in reality, you know, what you're writing may be better suited one of the things I like to do is let's find a Facebook group that is much more suited, a narrower group, or excuse me, a Facebook or LinkedIn group, a narrower group where this value is going to be much higher than posting it, say, on your personal profile. Hmm. So, yeah, if you, if you feel strongly enough to create something, that's awesome. But the, the key thing is is that which one of these subgroups of all these different social media are going to be most impacted by what you have and then get it out to them. Don't be afraid to share that. It's good that you're sharing on your business page these great articles. I mean, one of the things that I do on my on my business page is I put up a lot of pictures, just fun, engaging pictures just to keep people involved. Then when I do have a blog post that I think would be useful to these people, what I end up seeing is when the blog goes in there, a lot more people are jumping in and commenting both on the blog, inside of Facebook, inside a LinkedIn group. So now I'm starting to see what is creating – engagement with these people what do they want how can i feed them what they're looking for Mm. um i want to talk a little bit about perception Mm -hmm. now that you're an author Mm -hmm. when you chat with people and sit down and say oh yeah i just finished writing a book blah 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 their perception of you changes have Mm -hmm. you have you noticed that oh yeah absolutely now is that perception vastly different that you've now that you've written a book compared to when you were just blogging online uh, yes, in the, in, 
I think the biggest thing that I could say is having a book gives you a platform. Mm. It gives you something that's a little bit more compartmentalized and a little bit more organized and a little bit more strategized than just blogging in general. Mm. And the the beauty of the book is, is a lot of it is from my blog. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, it really is. It's just taking the blog post and kind of repurposing and putting it in order. But it, it because you have you know, it, it's like having a 12-step program at that point. You know, mm. now all of a sudden you have a container that you can wrap your arms around because one of the things I've learned about, and you know this too, I'm, I'm sure, is that, you know, the social media world or universe is so vast um, that there are there are specialists and there are generalists. Mm. And, you know, there's somebody who's going to be really, really good at SEO. There's somebody who's going to be really, really good at Facebook. There's somebody going to be really, really good at LinkedIn. And the problem that most people have is they have a hard enough time learning one and they know they maybe have to use two or three. Yeah. <laughs> so by having, by having a book and having a platform and having, you know, this, this container, um, it really lets people know that, you know, you can do it all. You can take it in smaller chunks and then incrementally figure out which one's going to work the best for you. Mm. Now, this is the most important question for the day. Sure. Let's get serious here. <laughs> What's your favorite bacon recipe? Uh, I don't necessarily have a, f- a favorite bacon recipe. Or utilization of. My, of. <laughs> my best, the best utilization was when I was giving a presentation to a chamber of commerce, and in honor of my talk, they had ice cream with a chunk of chocolate-covered bacon melded Ooh. into the center of it. It was spectacular wow <laughs> there there is a chocolatier here in town and they do an amazing uh chocolate with uh caramelized uh maple syrup and bacon bits oh that sounds fabulous oh it's awesome i mean it's the salt the salt and and the the chocolate's Sweet. amazing oh it's yep oh. Yeah, salt oh. and sweet together is just such a great combination oh, especially killer. when you get the right balance yep yeah exactly um I'm curious, does your business card have bacon on it right now? No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, the bacon is that's separate. What I do have is when I go give presentations, I hand out bookmarks with a piece of bacon on it. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, so I, that's my handout. And at the end of the presentations that I give, you know, I, I let people know that that bacon represents what makes them unique. Hmm. And so it's a memorable piece that I use. But uh, I actually have a double-sided business cards because I'm part social media consultant and then part, you know, programmer and marketer and it's you know I, I feel like I'm turning into Sybil I've got so many identities right yeah now. <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's a big problem for multi-talented uh, renaissance type people that you know they're very good at social media but they're also very good at marketing and they're also maybe very good at, at uh, art direction or something like that mm-hmm. it becomes very confusing for your audience demographics like who are you it's almost like a lot of people can't grasp, especially if they're in uh, an office environment where they're niched. Like you're a square peg in this square shape, and that's all you get to be. Um, they, they run into people and say, well, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I, it blows their mind. It's like, well, but what, what one of those four things do you actually do? It's like, hey, I can do it all. How do you communicate that you're, I've got all these skill sets, but this is the one you should really be communicating. Is that once again, it's like understanding your audience or understanding the person, finding and, what they need, and say, "Hey, this is I can help you because I'm an expert at this." Yeah, it really it really starts with sitting down one on one and figuring that out. And mm. one of the things that I try to express to people too is is the you you said it exactly. The most powerful thing I could do with you is spend an hour with you to help you figure out what you need. 
Yeah. And once you do that, then they'll understand the breadth of what you bring to the table. And, and you know, a lot of times the end game of this is, okay, you know, let's learn how to use LinkedIn, but let's put together a postcard and mail it out to the people that you communicate to because that's going to be the most effective thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people are just blown away at the fact that, you know, you're online marketing person and you're talking about doing print pieces. But in reality, if that's what your audience will respond to or that will get them to go to your website or sign up for your e-news, if that's the most effective way based on the people that you're talking to, then you do that mm. and you find ways to measure it. So you really do need to – that's one of the things that I, I pride myself and my business in this book on is getting to know people on a one-on-one -on -one level actually creates more value for them because uh, they're not used to that thing in, in this – you know compartmentalized transactional world, especially online, you see something, you they want your fifty dollars and they send you an email and you're done. Yeah. You know, and that's that's works in some instances. Um, but in other instances, there's the the preamble and the postamble. And and I do what you do, but I do them in web personal one on one webinars. And I teach people how to use their WordPress better, or how to set up a better LinkedIn profile so they get found on on Google better, or you know whatever those things are. But the preamble is is I make sure I go ahead of time and review as much stuff up front, and then when I get to that point, I'm going to be much more effective rather than doing you know discovery during the hour. And then when it's finished, there's also this hand holding or you know another phone call or an email when they forget you know how do I do this again? Yeah. You know so there's that. There's that really that complete value for them, mm. and that's where I think that it's a win-win. Um, for our listening audience, can you give them a tip that they can uh, implement, like right now today, uh, to give them some uh, some fire under their butt to get them going? Well, the biggest tip is to create a Google alert on whatever it is that you want to learn, and. Find that way Google will deliver to your inbox every single day 10, 20 articles. And that way you have a, a set plan of what it is that you're trying to focus on. Just like anything else, I mean, I spend every Sunday night going through my email and cleaning it out. I, I get it as close to zero as possible so I can start with a fresh slate. And I also look at some of the things maybe that blew by me or I missed. So that's part of my planning. So when I get up on Monday morning, I've got a to-do list that's sitting in front of me saying, do this, do this, do this, do this. Once you start to figure out what it is that is going to teach you what you know, then go ahead and put together a plan on how to execute that. And that may be just getting Google Alerts. It may be signing up for a college course or an online course with somebody or doing a one-on-one -on -one consultation. But the key thing is, is have a plan and get focused and then measure the results from whatever it is that you're doing and, and see, am I actually seeing a, any kind of return on investment with this or, or some measurable difference in myself or my business? Mm. Now, uh, before we wrap up, I've got one question. It kind of backtracks a little bit. You did mm -hmm. mention uh, mixing social media with classic marketing, and that's one of the things I really wanted to touch on is I think people have a very bad perception of social media that it replaces mm -hmm. classic marketing. Right. It's it's an addendum. It's It's part of the overall package. Yes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, again, it all boils down to your audience and, and what is where is your audience at? And the key thing is that you have to figure out there's going to be multiple touches in one way, shape, or form, whether it's face-to-face, -face, whether it's print, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, whether it's Google ads. Um, however you're going to get your message out in front of people, 
a lot of times you have to mix and match all of these things together. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example that I think makes the most sense is um, I work with nonprofits, and nonprofits have multiple audiences. And this is another mistake that a lot of people make is they're looking for the one thing that's going to get me everything that I need. Well, if you look at a nonprofit, they've got three basic silos built into it. The first silo is their donors, which obviously without money, they can't do anything. Donors tend to be a little bit older, and they want to be communicated one particular way. And what I suggest to most of them is you do a monthly or quarterly print newsletter and you mail it to them. Because most of the older donors want to hold something in their hands and read it as opposed to getting an email. They may not respond to that. They may not respond to a postcard. And the thing that you're doing by doing this on a regular basis is you're letting them know that the money that they gave you last December is being cared for, utilized, and having some kind of measurable outcome with it. So when you send out that card again next December or this coming December, that they're going to say, this, they, I understand what they're doing. I really support what they're doing. And I'm going to pick up my checkbook or my credit card and do something with them. So you, you may do an email newsletter to them, but you may have to physically do a print piece to go out to them every quarter or every month. Now, you got volunteers and the volunteers tend to be younger. Well, you know, say you want to get somebody to come help clean up a food pantry. Well, the easiest thing to do there is pick up text messaging services and get the text numbers of the volunteers and let them know because if you text a kid a month out, they won't remember a thing. If you text them a week out, they'll probably send that text to their buddies, hey, I'm going to go work at the food pantry. We can go play foosball and have a beer afterwards. Um, The third one is the people that you serve, and that could be all over the place. I mean, that could be where you physically have to go meet them face-to-face. It could be through websites. It could be through radio and TV. TV. I mean, it's you. You got to know where that audience is and figure out a way to communicate with them. So, really, when when you look at all the different things that these businesses do, these nonprofits, they have to create almost three or four or five separate strategies, and all of that means that you have to evaluate each one on its own basis. And it can include a lot of traditional media. It can cl- include a lot of new media, which is social networking, and and you have to figure out the proper mix to get the results. You know, I, I see a recurring theme here. Know your audience and find out where they're hiding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's another book. It could be. <laughs> hey, Brian, thanks for coming on. Before we run away, where can people go to find out more once they've got the book or if they're just curious about learning more? Well, sure. The easiest way with this book is my website, which has everything in there. It's notaboutyou.com. So if they want to sign up for the e-news or, or just read blogs or whatever. So it's N-O-T-A-B-O-U-T, the letter U.com. And from there, they'll, they'll find everything, including my contact info, if they have any questions or you know want to uh, find out when the next book is coming out, because there is uh, a couple more in the works. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Are you going to give us this little uh, sneak peek on those, or you haven't decided on a title yet? Well, the sneak peek is, the first one is, it's not about you, it's about Bacon Bits, 101 Relationship Marketing Tips. Oh, and nice. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little mini book, and that one is going to be released, uh, I, it's either going to be December or January 1st, and that is going to be a little six by six, just a real kind of, you know, table book, just little tips that go along with basically helping build on what this book is and then also I'm working like I said on a workbook specifically for the it's not about you it's about bacon Mm -hmm. and that one will have a a a place because one of the things I've heard from a lot of people is there's so much in this book there's not enough room to write their notes (laughs) on the side and they're they're constantly marking it up and they said man it would be so nice to have a companion book to go along with it so I'm listening to my audience and saying okay I'm going to give you one I'm working on that and uh, both of those will be coming out about the same time and when I do that I'll have the updated corrected version of this available on Kindle at the same time. So it'll be kind of like a big 
launch whenever that does happen. So just uh, sign up on the newsletter and I'll make sure that you're informed as to when that's coming. So you'll be able to get a nice full-blown package. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And then we'll have you on the show again uh, in, in the new year or just before the new year uh, awesome. for the launch. That'd be great. Brian, thanks a lot for spending some time with us. I know you're an incredibly busy guy and uh, all exciting stuff. What's the best way for people to connect with you uh, on social? Are you more of a Facebook person? Are you a Twitter person? What's the best place? Uh, um, probably Facebook is going to be the best place, but I do them all. I mean, I do Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So if they want more professional, LinkedIn's fine. And and again, all that social media is on the website. So if they get to any one of the pages, there's links to all of it. So whatever they want, I'm there. Excellent. Thanks again. Thank you, Bob. This is a great interview. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, leave comments, or make a request on our website, businessbooktalk.com. See you next week.